Simple Suttas, a podcast on original Buddhism. Visit us at simplesuttas.wordpress.com. So, the, uh, the next item on our list here is perception as non-self. So that's the, the, the Bhikkhu Bodhi. Let's see what else we've got here. Uh, also, perception in the Mendes. This is Vinanya. I can't remember what's the, what's the term. My poly is very... Minimal. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. It's Sanya. Uh, Sanya. Yeah. Okay. Oh no, I'm sorry. Uh, v- v- Vinyana. We, uh, no, no, Sanya. We were just talking about. Uh, uh, we were just talking about Venus. So we're on to uh, on to Sanya here. Okay. So, and exactly the same uh, argument that's made here. So okay. I don't have full control over it. Therefore, it's not. Uh, it's not me. But nevertheless, what does this mean? So what, what do we mean by perception? Uh, once again, uh, here we are, and we have to kind of dig through suttas to find what is, what is this guy talking about? Let me give you the, uh, the, 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 the Pali English Dictionary. It Ooh, says, right. sense, consciousness, perception, being the third kanda. Hmm. <laughs> again, not too that's, helpful. That's, I mean, I'd say that's less vague than the definition that he gives. Um, the one that he gives, and it was very confusing to me for a very long time, um, and I did read a teeny bit of commentary, and I think that it, it cleared up a little bit for me. Uh, perception is oftentimes defined as, and what is perception? It, it perceives yellow, it perceives blue, it perceives red. Um, and when we get to consciousness, uh, I don't want to totally spoil that, but uh, <laughs> when he says consciousness, he says, well, uh, consciousness, it, uh, what is consciousness? It cognizes salty, it cognizes sweet, it cognizes sour. And um, in the uh, Visuddhimagga, it is given... Uh, they give this simile, and I really try and stay away from commentaries, but I thought that this was a pretty good simile. And uh, the idea is that you think about uh, coins in a village, right, and you have just the, uh, a child comes and sees a coin. Well, what does he see? He sees a shiny object. It's hard, and um, I think that's supposed to be perception. And then somebody who is like a villager, he sees a coin. He knows that a coin is used for money, but this is back when you have a lot of false currency coming around. He doesn't really know uh, the quality of the currency, right? Uh, he doesn't know exactly its worth. He doesn't know that if it's if it's a pure currency or not. But he does have some idea of of what this currency is and what it's used for, that kind of thing, and that that is uh, likened to consciousness. And then they go one step further and they say, okay, well, what then? Wisdom. Wisdom is the money changer that knows the exact weight of all the things, knows exactly what they're used for, you know, uh, can exchange things for other things, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that, that, that sounds good. I, I think the, uh, this business of using the commentaries is, I, I think they can be really useful. I mean, there's some great uh, metaphors, some great teachings in them. But uh, I, I just think, uh, you know, when there's any kind of debate, when there's any kind of uh, uh, unclarity or, you know, d- different translations, different versions, mm-hmm. then we, you know, we have to keep looking to the suttas. You yeah, go back yeah. to what they were looking at and yeah. see if it, uh, if it co- co- complies. I think, uh, especially with Anatta, there's lots of teachings that you get that are not really from the suttas. You know, mm-hmm. that there may be interesting or wise teachings, but they don't quite fit. Right, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but I think, uh, you know, without the commentaries, in some cases, would be kind of lost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because to me, it's like, okay, well, perceives yellow, perceives blue. He's talking about vision and then perceives salty, perceives sweet, like okay, the tongue. So consciousness is the tongue sense. What? <laughs> yeah, again, am, am I really going to uh, mistake that for my true <laughs> right, self? Exactly, uh, yeah. the, the fact that I can perceive yellow. Yeah, is, exactly. <laughs> yeah I, I think uh, this is gets in exactly one of those topics that 
just seemed absolutely bizarre to me how often yes. the Buddha would talk about it when yeah. I first started reading the suttas. Because, you know, if, if you read, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh or uh, Joseph Goldstein or something mm-hmm. like that, they, they don't really harp on this. No. But th- then you get into the suttas and you're like, why do we, are we constantly talking about the <laughs> over senses here? And over and over and over again. Yeah. Yes, yes. And I, I, it struck me after a while that the first time it was just I almost skipped over it. It's very boring. Yep. I don't get it. Yep. And then after reading it for the 10th time, I realized... This must be important. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> you wouldn't keep bringing it up right. if this didn't have to do with something. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah and I, I think uh, in a way, what it's pointing to is that uh, the reminder that really the whole world for me, mm-hmm. and that's almost redundant because when I say the whole world for me, who else could it be for? <laughs> right. right? Yeah. I, you know, I have no idea what the whole world for you is. All yeah. I can say what the whole world is for me. And the whole world for me is what I get through those senses, yes. what I can see, what I can hear, what I can yep. smell, and what I can think about. That's right. Uh, and so, and so, <laughs> that's very, very important. Yes. That, that's the entire world of experience. important. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, he gets into the, the six sets of six I believe is is that's what that's referred to, and that's where they really take apart that teaching of the six sense bases. And uh, yeah, I mean, the first time I read that, I thought, okay, this is ridiculous. I know what, <laughs> yes, I know what smell is. I, know what taste is. I don't need to explain it to me. And we and, don't have to go through all oh six my every God, time, just every single time, right? And then you know, it, it occurred to me, or uh, you know, Bhikkhuni Sati uh, taught me, uh, quite possibly, that. Literally, this describes every experience that you have ever had in your entire life. There is nothing outside of these experiences. And I went, oh. <laughs> oh, right. That's the wisdom of the suttas. You think yeah. it's being redundant. You think it's, you know, you think you're so wise. And then you look back on it and you realize, oh, God, that's what they was trying to tell me the whole yeah. time. <laughs> right, right. Well, I, I think one of the most important things about this, and I know we'll talk more about it when we do dependent origination, mm-hmm. is once you convince yourself that really this is the world, this is really all I can know, then it radically reduces uh, the kind of philosophical arguments you can get yourself into. Yes. Right? You, you, you're not going to be arguing, is the world real? Is my body real? Is it imaginary? Because you just can't say. Right? right? You, you just don't, no you don't have that information. All you can know is this is the world of experience. There are forms. There is rupa. Mm-hmm. There is, you know, there, there is uh, the, the six senses that perceive those forms. And there is mm-hmm. consciousness that projects those forms, that interprets those forms. Mm-hmm. And that's all you got. That's it. That's all you got. So, you know, any of these arguments about uh, is it real? Is it not real? Is it imaginary? The, you know, all, all of those out the door. Yep. Out the door. That, that, that's that's not what's important. You don't need those for liberation. You don't need those uh, arguments for happiness. They're not going to get you anywhere. Yep. Uh, and it's not a question of uh, can we finally run a scientific experiment to prove it one way or the other. No. no there's n- no. That, that's out of the realm of that kind of discussion. Yep. Nope, not at all. <laughs> uh, so, do you think you would ever be fooled into thinking that the, you, your, your ability to perceive yellow is your is your true self? Um. I would say, once again, uh, not having experienced the cessation of feeling and perception, <laughs> yes, it happens every single day, right? How often do we walk around and I'm the one that perceives, I'm right? We perceives. don't get confused. We don't get confused that the perception of yellow is us, but we get confused that, like, oh, I'm the one that perceives this. I perceive that. Oh, I had this experience, right? Um, and so, absolutely, I think, <laughs> I think it happens all the time. Now, once again, intellectually, I've studied, I've meditated uh, a lot. Um, intellectually, nobody is ever going to get me to say that perception is the true self or anything like that. But on the inside, yeah. during my everyday life, oh man, does that, it happens so quickly. 
<laughs> I, I absolutely agree. You know, again, if we're if we're going on this chain of you know higher levels of of perception, right? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the bacterium doesn't know that it's the bright light that is moving away from it. Just knows I'm unhappy. I'm going to go over right. here now, right? Yep. But for me, oh my God, I'm the one that can see and understand this yes. situation, and therefore, I, you know, it's that that's where the reaction comes from. And actually, I, I have this idea I've, I've been calling uh, accidental atman, mm-hmm. where you have Buddhist uh, Buddhists or even Buddhist teachers, even really kind of you know serious meditators mm-hmm. that. Um, accidentally fall into thinking of the perceiver as the self. Absolutely. It's uh, actually one of the most uh, common things that you'll find um, in, I would say, mm, I don't know, we'll call it neo-Buddhist literature. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I was really, really into Eckhart Tolle. And, and once again, He's you know, exactly the one I was thinking yep, of. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, <laughs> and once again, you know, uh, the, the books that he wrote, uh, were so useful for me at a certain time in my life. Yes, um, yes. Absolutely. Uh, it was like, you know, I was really having a lot of trouble in my life. I was moving through a lot of self-help. And then I went to his book, and it was like this step beyond self-help, right? It was like this whole whole different world. And when I started reading that, you know, I just had this inkling inside of me, and I don't even know where it came from because I knew nothing about Buddhism. Uh, it was not anything that had even occurred to my mind. But, like, just like, oh, some of this stuff that he's talking about kind of seems like it came from Buddhism. <laughs> Maybe I should learn about that, right? right, um, right. But yeah, absolutely. He's, he's very much, uh, you know, uh, we're pure consciousness. Uh, we are the, the perceiver, the one, the one that sees, the one that thinks the thoughts. Um, also, uh, unfortunately, to throw somebody that I care about very much under the bus, uh, Ajahn Moon, which, I mean, he's long dead. He's not going to care. But I, I don't know if you've read the autobiography of Ajahn Moon. You know, I've got it on the shelf, but haven't got it to, um, you, to it's, it yet. It's gorgeous. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know if you've read the book, Autobiography of a Yogi. Uh, once again, I was very much into spirituality uh, before I got into Buddhism. And uh, an autobiography of a yogi, uh, even if all of the teachings in it are completely wrong, I would absolutely read that book. Um, it's absolutely a heartfelt, beautiful book, amazing. Um, I think really points people in the right direction. And the autobiography of Ajahn Moon is, uh, it's almost like autobiography of a yogi for Buddhists. And, uh, you know, he did some incredible Dhamma Dhamma teachings. Um, He supposedly had magical powers, which sounds so goofy for the Western world. What? Oh, come on, this idiot did not have magical powers. (laughs) What a big load of crap. You know, um, but the the teaching that he came to is that the the purified citta, um, you know, citta is like the heart-mind, I guess, is the way that it be translated is is uh, indestructible and essentially i mean i don't know if he said that it is the self but it was it's pretty it was, close uh, it was pretty close yeah, uh, yeah what he was talking about and so you see people that i mean in that guy i i don't know that anybody has meditated more than that guy <laughs> you know and and absolutely that's um we see that a lot i think I do, too. I, I was at a Dhamma talk uh, just uh, a week or two ago, and it was a wonderful teacher. She had a lot of wonderful things to say, but she came just within a hair's breadth of, of saying uh, that essentially that perception is, uh, is the self. And I think it comes through this, this back door of, of mindfulness, yeah. that, uh, you know, mindfulness is wonderful. And, but, you know, th- this is kind of right at the level of mindfulness. Mindfulness, mm-hmm. uh, at least in some um, uh, understandings, is encouraging you to look at reality uh, on this more minute level. Yes. Uh, 
which is great. It's a, mm-hmm. a fantastic practice. But one of the points of that practice is to get beyond thinking about it as yes. being yourself. Yeah. Whereas I, I think sometimes people, um, r- really, there's this teaching that mindfulness is everything. You don't yeah. need the eightfold path. You need a one-fold path. One mindfulness path. is the only thing. Be here now. <laughs> you're done. And uh, yeah. uh, But I, I think it can sometimes uh, confuse people and encourage them into thinking that the perceiver is the self. Or the, Sure. Uh, and, uh, that, that's, you know, and I mean, I guess the argument that I'd make here is that if you are not Buddhist, um, if you really believe, um, if you're an annihilationist, you're a materialist, and you really, uh, truly believe that there is nothing that happens after we die or before we were born, um, that will not lead you astray, more or less. Oh, well, and um, it's, of course, far better than thinking that you're your body or that you're your desires. Uh, uh, it will lead you, desires. you know, you really uh, work your mindfulness hard. And um, I think that when you work your mindfulness hard, a lot of the, you know, if you want to call them unvirtuous behaviors, call them unskillful unskillful behaviors start to fall away because we start to see um, how we get caught up in them. We start to see the things that happen before, you know, um, uh, I used to like, like to drink a lot. And, you know, kind of one of the things that would happen is uh, during the day, I'd start to feel anxiety. Um, and I would just kind of be waiting around till like, oh man, maybe five o'clock, uh-huh. you know, like, oh, it's, it's fun, you know, oh, 4.35. I don't have right? a problem if it's, <laughs> yeah, after. <laughs> if it's after five. And I don't have a problem, right? And you start seeing, you know, uh, if, you, if you're really mindful, you start seeing how all of that stuff kind of com- comes into play. And so once again, outside of a Buddhist framework, um, really, if you're very mindful and you have some sort of morality that you're working on, I mean, that's another thing, is I really think that uh, to, to lead a virtuous life, you have to have some sort of idea of morality. But with morality and mindfulness, um, outside of the context of Buddhism, you, you're probably not going to go too far yeah, in the yeah. wrong direction. I think that's right. There are these different uh, kind of uh, layers of, of subtlety. Okay, well, let's look at the, uh, at the next step here.